Hello there. And welcome Hello. back to Non Sequitur Nerds. Like always, I am Tim, joined by Ian. Ian, how's it going tonight, bud? Good. Uh, we are, uh, you know, in the mood to uh, talk Star Wars, uh, if you haven't figured it out. Uh, and we also have a special guest joining us tonight. Uh, let's see if we can dial him in. Um, hey, you there? <laughs> it, it totally looked good. I mean, that was professional quality yeah. right there. <laughs> yes, yes, professional quality. He may or may not have been on the, like, the camera may or may not have picked him up. So, yeah. <laughs> as you've probably heard his voice before, if you listen to us exclusively on the uh, one of our podcast uh, providers, uh, this is my brother, uh, Keenan. Uh, joining me live in the studio, uh, for those of you <laughs> on... Ian's bedroom. Right. For those of you watching uh, the YouTube channel, uh, you may notice some green screen problems. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so we may or may not be phasing in and out of existence throughout, but we will I'm... try not to let that uh, stop us too Just much. think of me as a forest ghost from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we are talking Star Wars tonight, folks. Uh, something that all three of us uh, are very fond of and have been a big part of all of our lives, actually. Yeah, and this is not... Uh, this is not. You know, we've covered Star Wars before with the Mando special, and then you know we've we've definitely hinted about it uh, and talked about it in other, other forms of media. But this is more of like just an overarching appreciation of one of the biggest forces... Ah, you said the thing. <laughs> he said the thing. Uh, cue DiCaprio meme. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about one of the largest forces uh, that we have, that has been within our lives. So, uh, talking Star Wars. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, before we get things started, folks, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we... You can find us on uh, all various different types of platforms. Uh, Anchor.fm, who hosts our podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, you, Anchor. Yes, thank you, Anchor, uh, which distributes to other media forms as well. So you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, finally, uh, <laughs> Spotify, and multitudes of other favorite podcast platforms. So mm -hmm. check us out there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well at non sequitur nerd. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page now. So look us up. Yep, we've joined the uh, modern uh, era finally. We have yeah. a book full of faces. They have right. basically conquered the entire social media universe. I mean, really, we're, we're kind of a, just an unstoppable force. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but don't be so proud of this technological terror you've constructed. <laughs> Very good, Keenan. Very good. Yes. So, Most impressive. So, uh, again, thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, so, let's just kick it off. Star Wars, A New Hope. Uh, first Star Wars movie that came out, the first one that I ever saw. Yep. Um, I mean, there's just so much about, it, it, there's so much about Star Wars in general, really. Like, I don't oh, even yeah. have to start with you, Hope, but just Star Wars in general. Oh, yeah. It was just so, so awesome to, you <laughs> know. So cool. So, so cool. cool. Please don't sue us, Seth Green. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there was just a, so much that was really, that's just awesome about this you know oh, star God, yes. wars you get spaceships you've got epic space battles you've got laser swords which if you didn't see it disney premiered there yeah the new sexy retractable Dude, one. okay yeah. like like i know some people are saying that it may just be a prop that the the actors in the new uh like hotel suite thing use others have said that it may be something that they they actually sell either way it functions 
apart from cutting through stuff, like a real lightsaber. If you guys haven't seen it yet, it's, you know, a lightsaber hilt. And, like, there, typically there's two kinds of lightsabers you see. The kind that are, like, the fold-out plastic ones. And it's, it's, yeah, like, yeah, the smaller cones, the set of smaller cones. Or there's ones that, and they illuminate from the bottom. Or there's ones that are a fixed blade, where the blade is internally lit, but you have to screw it on, screw it off. Uh, those are most typically known uh, at their Disney parks. I actually have one of those sitting over there. But um, this one actually telescopes as a solid piece out of the hill and is internally lit. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> when I first saw the trailer for it, I thought it was just like a special effect. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even really get what it was. And then I was like, right. oh, that's like a product. That's a real yeah, thing. Th that's a thing. Whether it's a prop or something they're going to sell, it's still really awesome. Now, the question is, is how expensive is that going to be? Well, it, it depends. I like you, but not enough <laughs> that I wouldn't sell you. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that depends. Because, like, the, the internal LEDs, you can buy LED strips for pretty cheap. But, I mean, you figure there's going to be some markup because it is, if, if it is a sellable product, there's going to be some markup. The, the best that I've seen, effectively, what they're guessing anyway, is it uses the same basic principle that a tape measure uses. That it can coil up, you know, and be foldable. Oh. But when it telescopes, because it's rounded, it maintains that rigidity. So that's kind of what they're thinking roughly the internals might be of it. So in theory, it's something that, with the right material, you could maybe make something similar to that. I'm surprised nobody's thought of anything like this before. But, I mean, Disney Imagineering, I mean, look at some of the stuff they've made and done with their, at their parks. Those guys are oh, geniuses. Absolutely. They know what they're doing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you know... Hats off to, to Disney. We oh, really absolutely. won't get to see this thing until next year, 2022, yep. when, people, when the hotel opens, and hopefully this COVID thing is a, a, a distant memory. Um, let's hope, so, let's hope, because I, I want to go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, boys weekend. That'd be so cool. Dude, oh my God. Like, okay, yeah, when, when I went cool. there... When... In your Mando special, you talked up the Galaxy's Edge and, like, yes. the, the Hondo animatronics and stuff. Talk about the, you know, the space engineering. Yep. And well, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, like you were saying, like, when I went there last... You know, I, bye, Keenan. Uh, <laughs> when, when I went there, I mean, it was my first time ever at Disney, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to check out everything. I'm going to go to the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to go to, the, you know, their uh, the animal planet kingdom thing whatever it's called animal uh, kingdom animal kingdom there we go i'm gonna go to epcot no like day one i went to magic kingdom because you, you have to go there and then i spent the rest of my time exclusively at hollywood studios in galaxy's edge um because it's it's such a unique experience and star wars being so close to me it's amazing the amount of immersion that they have at that park like you know the if you go to the rest of like if you go to magic kingdom as an example and you see cinderella She's Cinderella. Like, all the other, like, the shop attendants and whatnot, they're, you know, Bob the shop attendant. When you go to Galaxy's Edge, everybody there is an in-universe character. I mean, they may not necessarily have been from the movies or books or anything like that, but it's not Bob the shop attendant. It's, you know, so-and-so from the Planet Patu who runs this, this homemade, you know, uh, hand-spun clothing shop. They are a right. character. They are a Star Wars character. They're not just a random, you know, person walking around. Literally every Disney employee in the in the uh, Galaxy's Edge area is a character, which I, just th that level of immersion is amazing. Like seeing the First Order officers and troopers walking around, they'll they'll you know playfully harass the crowd about you know where are you going? Where's your identification papers? Have you seen this droid? I mean it's it's just it puts you in Star Wars. It's, it was amazing. I highly recommend it. 
uh, once it's you know safe to do so and they're fully staffed, it is absolutely worth going. Awesome. I yeah. So again. You know, right. <laughs> Disney Imagineering has uh, obviously brought us another thing that has made our that has brought our childhood literally to life. Oh yeah. With the exception of being able to cut off our cut off our children's hands with it. Um, <laughs> well, while probably. maintaining that you were their father. Correct. Um, that's some harsh discipline, man. Do like, you know, like my kid gets in trouble. I'll put him in timeout, ground him, make him write sentences, whatever. I don't think I'd ever cut off a limb, let alone a hand. I mean, hit, right. well, it's a lesson he'll learn. I mean, I mean, admittedly, he got a cool robot hand. Well, yeah, so. I mean, that's true, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who doesn't uh, want a cool robot hand? Dude, every kid would want a cool robot hand. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah disney imagineering uh disney parks great time looking forward to being able to go myself take my kids yep uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun but um you know if we look back at, at at star wars like we were saying it's it was such a it's such a quintessential part of our lives oh yeah absolutely like, made our childhood like i've got i still have my old star wars toys uh, right. like my kids play with them um but I mean, we we saw I saw these movies as a kid, and you know I was a fat nerdy kid when I was young. When I was younger, I'm still fat and nerdy, but <laughs> now I'm still a fat nerdy adult. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, so you know, it was just so immersive and so much fun, and it's just you know people deride the series for like being poorly written or you know whatever kind of like nitpicky crap they want to get into about this like laser swords what and it seems like like even among the fan base if it's not the original trilogy it seems to get trashed on like you know the prequels get trashed on the sequels get trashed on but i mean ultimately at the end of the day you know me personally i take it as a whole from the prequels all the way to the end of the skywalker saga it's a it's a long form story i mean it literally goes from you know the beginning of the saga to the end of the saga. I mean, that's that's what it yeah. is. Well, the other thing is that you know we we talk about the, the it's it's actually the it's a a series of getting trashed on. Like the the original series came out, and it, it definitely has fans. And then there were people trashed on it, right? And then the prequels came out, and the people that were trashing the original Star Wars, like, oh, the original Star Wars is great now. These sequels now they're terrible, right? And then the, or the prequels came out, and they're terrible. And then the sequels came out. And then they're like, oh yeah, the prequels, those were good. The sequels, they suck. Right. Uh, you can't, you you just can never be clean. I think the problem is that Star Wars, like George Lucas, when he first wrote it and created it, like he intended it to be really for kids. It was supposed to evoke the like old, uh, like Flash Gordon type serials that he watched as a kid. Right. And, uh, and to really be appealing in that sense. And so I think that's why it affects people. I mean, for as much as people might trash on it, it is like the new mythology. You know, oh, absolutely. we worship Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader like people of old worship, you know, Thor and Odin and stuff. Like they're gonna last a long time and they've had such an impact, I think because they touch some kind of almost primal, primitive, childlike part of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's based on a lot of mythology oh, and stories yeah. like so I think that's why it's so it's had such longevity and why it's so passionate and why people get so passionate about it because it's like you're screwing with their childhood and so then like we were like kids more or less around the time when the sequels came out or like teenagers or whatever 
like that would be more our time. And that's probably why we have a better appreciation of it. And then like Ian's kids are more the kids of the sequels. Right. And so they're going to hold those really charitable. And probably when they get older, they'll defend those, you know, to their last breath. Right. So it's just whatever you grew up with, I think is whatever version of it mm-hmm. is like what you hold dear. But I'm with you, Tim. I try to like all Star Wars. I think even the, I mean, if you really want to get to it, you could nitpick the originals and say, oh, yeah. point out things about them that aren't that good. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, I try to more or less enjoy them as much as I can, try and find the good. Well, if I you just love Star Wars. So. I mean, if, right? you look, if you look at it, if you look at the series, mm-hmm. you know, like all of the entirety of the movies, like the length, like the life of this movie is 40 years. Yeah. You know, it's been, they've been uh, around a while. Right. 1977. If, if you look at this and you, and you think about things like culturally, these movies have aged amazingly well. Uh, surprisingly, yes. I mean, like, like obviously some of the, like the camera work and the visuals, obviously, you, you can tell it's an older film, but they still, storytelling-wise, they hold up. Necessarily talking about that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like you know we if you when depending on when you listen to this or watch this <laughs> you know we're kind of in the, that like cancel culture like everything's got to be PC type generation like right you know there, there's these people out there like they're going back and like trashing on friends and it's like yeah those jokes were are not accept like some of those jokes are not acceptable today right but yeah they were acceptable back then you you can't. Like it's it's a really crap thing to do to like go back and deride the past for yeah. it's like sins of the past. What are we gonna do about it? Well, yeah. like, I mean, we can't exactly go back and refilm those movies, you know. Uh, wasn't there uh, a something on? It, it was Sesame Street, right? Wasn't that that thing where they like Disney decided to put up that warning? saying that like some of the things in here are racial stereotypes they've done it with a lot of a lot of their stuff they have on disney plus saying you know for its time this was what people did we don't approve of it and like they have a big disclaimer at the beginning of a lot of their shows and movies now say in it because they not only are like bringing attention like hey we don't agree with this and this is like racial or like culturally or racially or whatever it is Hmm. insensitive but we also don't feel like censoring it out. We'd rather like you be exposed to it, just be aware of its context and like right. maybe it is like a teaching moment. Yeah. So people, like, I'm trying to think of something that would be canceled in like the original Star Wars. Like probably the first thing that comes to my head is like uh, Han and Leia's relationship. Like especially in the Empire Strikes Back, right. I could see people today being like, "Wow, Han's like real pushy," right. and like really like going on to like Leia. Rapey, yeah, like a little bit. But like, I mean, yeah, I, I, it is kind of weird. And it is in a modern context, a little uncomfortable. And the only reason we are okay with it is because we know she liked them the whole time. She's just not wanting to admit it. Right. But it does come off weird. But at the same time, you just have to keep the context in there. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and the fact that it's a fictional, you know, space story. Like, are we really going to argue like the, the, the political correctness of a thing that has a giant space dog and a I mean, dude in a black suit with laser swords. I, to me, right. it's a little dumb. I mean, just <laughs> keep the context. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree, yeah, I if I can think of, if there's one thing throughout that entire series that is like, seems to me truly oh, to be insensitive is going to be obviously Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, if we go to the sequels, the sequels are pretty like Yeah, Jar, Jar Jar is... Like, they yeah, like, just need to have, you know, a cut with no Jar Jar in it at all. I'm just going to say it right now. There was nothing nothing redeeming about Jar Jar at all in the prequels. I mean, 
Nimodians are pretty bad too, and Watto. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, you know the Jew allegory with Watto, and then the yeah like, sleazy Asian, yes. Asian businessmen of the Nimodians. So, yeah, yeah, so there were some questionable, questionable yeah. choices that again yeah. could not write in that in today's culture it wouldn't fly, but it. I mean, but it, I'm kind of going back to what I was saying though. Is like these movies have aged incredibly well from a cultural standpoint, mm. but as you were also saying from a, a technical standpoint, they have aged very well. Mm. Like, I think the people, people like us that grew up with it, we maybe maybe we're just more forgiving, but right. at the same time, we also grew up with we're we're used to we are used to having like people underneath a soundstage with their hand up in a puppet, like right. miming the puppet, like yeah. We grew up with the Muppets and Sesame Street right. and well, Labyrinth. Like, and, oh God, you know. Labyrinth. Well, like for uh, me, the, the thing that really like that I appreciate about the the original trilogy is the fact that like all of their like the ships, the set pieces, anything involving like a vehicle in space, were all handcrafted using like various like model kits from like battleships, tanks. Literally, just as, as somebody that builds models, to be able to to kit bash like that, like. I don't have the patience to do that, nor do I have enough spare parts sitting around that it would be financially feasible to just do. But like the fact that that's all, none of that is CG. That's all physical, hard, right there. You can you can pick up the Millennium Falcon model. Well, I mean, some of them, some of them are bigger than my table. Yeah, quite large. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like most of those models, you you can pick up and hold and actually see. This was in the movie. This thing here. This is for the close-up shots. This one's for the wide shots. They have it all right there. And that, to me, that shows a lot of pa a passion for it. Right. And the, the stuff that was put in, like, the After Effects, like the, the blaster bolts and things like that. Right. I mean, that's still not even CG. That's, yeah. like, that's like effects. Yeah, like know? old school. It's like they old school I, th I think they literally drew on the film frame by frame. Right. Well, like the well, original, like the the Luke's land speeder, they couldn't like remove the wheels originally, yep. so it was like an orange force blob. Yep. And like the original cuts of it, because they like Vaseline. Yeah, it, off or it was it was no, Vaseline, yeah, literally no, smart no, smudge no, Vaseline. They they mounted the camera so it was at a fixed height. Yep. And they they had th they had the the track where the the speeder was going to be marked, mm -hmm. and then they put Vaseline over the lens of the camera. Yep. And then the camera just tracked with the the speeder, so that it was always in that same spot underneath yep. the the speeder. So yeah, that was that was how they did practical effect back then. Yeah, and, I think and it worked. Another like appeal of why it's lasted so long is that a lot of like sci-fi movies back then were just like really cheesy. Like they, yeah. it, they were considered like B movies and weren't really given a lot of respect. To, oh, I just appeared again. Um, <laughs> the force is that strong with me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> We've got a bad hologram connection. I need to think about that. I need to keep that in mind. But it's just like a lot of, so a lot of like old sci-fi stuff were just not given a lot of money and they were like really oh, yeah. you know, easy, uh, not a lot of effort. And like you said, they put a lot of effort into making these oh, yeah. things look good. And George Lucas got like a butt ton of money from doing American graffiti and he was doing this all on his own. So it was like a passion project. Right. So obviously put time into it. And I think having actual real physical things mm -hmm. makes it last longer because oh, yeah. some CGI, especially early CGI doesn't age well at all. No, it when doesn't. You look at it. Yeah. Since most of Star Wars avoided that 
uh, you know, made before then, it, it doesn't have that same issue of, of yeah. time of like that just being. Ooh. Well, like, if, you also, if you look at the, the prequels, a lot of the CG in the prequels just didn't age in proportion to the rest of the film. Right. Like yeah. you can tell a lot of the sets are just green screen or like some of the skin textures are weird. I mean, yeah. I would say that it still generally looks pretty good. Yeah. But you can tell that there are definitely some rough spots. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, if you also look at, um, you know, some of the the original trilogy, I think probably the most noticeable thing in it is the Death Star trench run right at the very end when Luke fires the proton torpedoes. Like you can, it is very clearly like cartoon animated. Right. Yeah, like little drawn in, like, <laughs> like little blobs. Yeah, like little blobs. <laughs> like even the even the like the trench hole is like right. the whole thing is definitely animated. Right. It's like it's so blatantly obvious but the it still works and that's the other thing like because this star wars led to the creation of you know ilm yeah right Ultra light and magic which is a tour de force of the hollywood industry like oh, they I, I can't remember i can't remember how many different patents they hold i think it's like a 250 <laughs> patents like on software and techniques and different things like that but the thing is, like, ILM, if I remember correctly, George Lucas did ILM not as a moneymaker, but as a way to help the film industry. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, what it, like, it makes money, but that's not the intent of it. The right. intent of it is to provide tools and capability to Hollywood and to filmmakers. Right. Yeah. And then so, they did a phenomenal like, job of that. Well, and, and he also created THX too, which is basically like the cutting edge of you know, like sound. Well, I mean, yeah, and if you look at the sound design from Star oh, God, Wars, from like, Star uh, Wars, like yes. yeah, better. Like there are so many iconic sound. Like my my text or my notification to tone on my phone is the lightsaber sound. Yeah, that's how iconic. Like that's how ingrained in our culture is when even the sound instantly get you. And and like we're not even getting into music, but just like sound effects. You know, oh, yeah. everybody knows. The Wookiee roar that I did, or the lightsaber sound—the the sound of a Tie Fighter engine, sound, or the Tie Fighter flying, or R two D two screaming—that was actually pretty good, Ian. That's actually pretty good. Just like everything in yeah. that, and Darth Vader's breathing—like even no one that has any context or is like never watched Star Wars would get if you did, you know, a, like they would get yeah. that reference. Oh, absolutely. And oh. they think it's a sleep apnea mask. I, <laughs> I mean, well, might be. And then, like, even Yoda, like Yoda's speech oh. pattern. Yeah, like that would like, be. Like, not even his sound. Like, just if somebody did the speech pattern of Yoda, right, like, right, right. they would, they would, they would pick it up. They're like, oh, yeah, I kind of know, like, the little green frog dude from the movie. Yeah, yeah, the, the one thing, the thing. Yeah, yeah, the, the thing from the, the thing. He the, the baby the thing. thing. The baby thing from that show, right? Yeah, 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 that thing. What? <laughs> um, um, and, and then I did bring up the music, of course, and like, oh, yet yeah. again, people with no general reference. Okay. I mean, the Cantina song. Game, you get the Darth Vader march at football games and yeah. stuff. Like, like yeah, I'm saying, no. the, the Cantina song, like, even people that don't oh, really right. know Star Wars, like, you play, they're like, oh, it's that Star Wars song. What's it called? The Cantina song. Well, I know what it's played, but what's it called? The, the, the yeah. Cantina song. Anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, but and the and again, the the pioneering from the sound, like the spe the sound effects. Oh, you know, I phenomenal. think uh, I think what was it? The the blaster bolt sounds was like, I believe they took a uh, the high tension wires that you used to hold. Oh yeah, a, you used the whole. Yeah, and you just hit it with a pole. Yeah, 
and like the lightsabers are like the cathode ray tubes i think in old like uh tvs like yeah. the, the big glass ones mm. with like extra effects added onto it oh, yeah cool. and then, like the wookie roar i think is like a lion backwards or something like yeah, that so like something, i think yeah. it's like a couple big animals like a bear and a lion like yeah. intermixed and then like recorded backwards uh, yeah. Darth, Darth Vader is just someone breathing into a scuba mask, uh, <laughs> right? I believe, but it works. It works phenomenally well. Yeah. And it's just like yet again, it was someone trying to do all. Because I mean, now you have like digital libraries that you could synthesize and like mm -hmm. do all these crazy things. But they had to do these on like analog sound boards, with yep. probably like tapes that they had holding they up had a microphone attached to a tape deck to record how this thing sounds. Right. right, and this them going around into the wild with yeah, like a with a a big boomstick or whatever, trying to you know get it. Um, it yeah, they just a lot of everything like well, and bringing up the ILM again, like they had to invent a bunch of things to yeah. make stores. Like it just like what they wanted to do wasn't really possible, so they had to like make up a bunch of new techniques. Oh yeah, so, like ILM, I think also kind of came into being just as like man, we did a lot of, like, really cool stuff trying to make this. Like, we should, like, expand this even further. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it worked. Yeah, exactly. And and if you look at, like, ILM continues to be, like, a powerhouse of different mm -hmm. styles. And like I said, different styles and different techniques and, and this kind of stuff. And they, they still do physical models. Like, yeah. uh, uh, Grant Imahara and Adam Savage of uh, uh, Mythbusters fame, they both worked for ILM. Yeah. You know, Grant was a, a robotics and, you know, robotics engineer and, you know, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, and Adam Savage was a model. Like he was a model maker. And, you know, he designed, I think he worked on for the new, the prequels. I think he worked on the yeah, cloud city model. Oh, wow. The cloud city model that they did. And then um, he did some other stuff there as well. Uh, Grant built R2D2. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a thing to have on a resume right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he built functional R two D twos, and you know we the the movies themselves, like we like we said, they they encapsulate so many like pioneering techniques and styles, and just really a genre. Oh yeah, like, they're they're not the first of like the space epics, you know, because you got like your Flash Gordon and your Buck Rogers, yep. um, you know, and uh, and those kind of, uh, and those kind of things. Um, but Star Wars, I think, was really the truly first mainstream, yeah, absolutely. like oh, yeah. really truly popular mainstream sci-fi. With I mean, okay, you want to split hairs, Star Trek, but let's right. admit, let's admit, the original Star Trek was not popular. Like, yeah, it was only around for a few seasons. It was it was, a, it was popular after the fact. I feel anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Well, and I think Star Wars owes a success yet again to i think tapping into like i mean it is sci-fi in the essence of that there's space and you know hyperdrives and right. laser guns and things like that but really it's more basically it's a fantasy story oh, that yeah. just takes in a sci-fi type setting and it, and it relies a lot on that like you know old mythos you know like the hero's journey type story mm -hmm. and things that are just you know like ingrained in stories from you know ancient civilizations and stuff and it's right. really playing on that and i think it's kind of like that and i mean really at its core it's about good and evil oh yeah and i mean if you break it down really yeah thick like 
gets you right in the feels kind of like it's so intuitive and whatnot oh yeah that's probably why it just lives so strongly in people because it just really caters to that you know basic core human need right story absolutely yeah it's just it's a good it's a good story i mean whether you know love you know certain trilogies or hate them it's a good story i mean it's 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 ultimately the story of how the skywalkers just messed everything up (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, I'm, yeah. It's basically the story how one family like boned like trillions of lives. Yeah. But then again. Right. Although technically, and I guess if you're watching this right now uh, and you hear spoiler, too bad. Like, we didn't put a spoiler disclaimer at the beginning of this, but yeah. come on. It's Star Wars. Of, I mean, it's yeah. a Star even the most recent movie, it's. I think it's out of the statute of spoiler limitations. Yeah, correct. Well, that's where I was going. Like, you know, okay, yes, one family completely boned and then fixed the universe. It was actually Palpatine. I mean, yeah, that 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 fixed the universe. Yeah, the Skywalkers messed it up and the Palpatines fixed it. Welcome to Star Wars. Also contributed into the ruin. So two families, right, right. ruined the galaxy and then fixed it again. Right. Right. Um. Oh, oh, so the when we made the uh, spaceballs reference. uh, that made me think yet again another way to show just how important Star Wars truly is yeah. to to the world's culture is how it is constantly referenced mm-hmm. in basically any other form of media all the time like it parodied and well I mean heck it, you know, family guy had a whole saga of their retelling of Star Wars I mean yeah. and it was good it was good I'll be honest like think we brought Star Trek. This just popped up in my head um, when they rebooted the Star Trek series with J.J. Abrams uh, doing the movies or whatever. I mean, honestly, a lot of the tone and style, and especially the more like action-oriented aspect Except of it, except for the lens flares. Yeah, they was, were everywhere. Uh, very Star Wars. It wasn't yeah. really because like original Star Trek, and I feel like even Star Trek like Next Generation and like more the true Star Trek mm-hmm. is really more low key and really it's, more it's like more... philosophical talking and yeah, stuff it's I, not really action oriented mm-hmm. but the move the new movies went in the action direction which is definitely more star wars right like, like I, I wouldn't say star trek was a drama but i mean it's it's more akin to that than it was an action series yeah the old star treks anyway yeah it's yeah. It's, it's intended to be more thought-provoking yeah. in its own way and and I, I mean that's fine and dandy but it's just i found it funny when they wanted to reboot it as a movie they're like let's star wars it and right. make it more action-y and that made it you know popular and you know Spaceballs is a whole movie that is more or less a parody of star wars oh, it yeah. does include star trek stuff in there and other stuff but it's mostly star wars right and i mean even things that have nothing to do with the parody like they're just serious things or whatever like they'll get referenced oh yeah uh, you know little little things little elements in there and um it, it's just you know from you know, movies and songs to, like we said, you know, football games or whatever. It's just, it's everywhere. You can't oh, escape yeah. it. Just how all-encompassing Star Wars really is. Yep. Oh, and I got another question. I was going to ask you guys this earlier. So you wanted to start with A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first version of Star Wars you saw? Because, you know, there's like the originals, which mm-hmm. are hard to find. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like the 90, 1997 re-release mm-hmm. with like the special edition stuff. And then there's like the Blu-ray version, and then there's like <laughs> the Disney version uh, that has McClunky in it. So McClunky. <laughs> I, I think the the first one I saw was was the original cut of it, yeah. um, 
but I had only seen that maybe once or twice. So I mean, realistically, it was it was the first re-release of it. It was the first one that I watched regularly. So, but the original viewing was the original. So. For me, I actually got introduced to it um, by my old neighbor growing up. You, you remember Pam Smith? Uh, so if you're oh, out really? there, she was the one. I if you're out there, Pam, hi. She was a, a huge Star Wars, like a giant Star Wars nerd, like had some of the OG, like 70s, 80s toys and oh, wow. stuff like that. But she had the VHS of the original release. And so that was how I saw it was in its, you know, in its original form on VHS. And that was how I first got introduced to it. Yep. And then obviously I went and saw the the re-releases um, in the 90s. And then I went and saw the, you know, the new tri- or the, the prequels when they came yep. out. Um I know I, I I really don't know that I that there is Star Wars media that I haven't consumed in some yeah. form or other. Like, and if we talk about Star Wars media, oh god, <laughs> they I they have covered I think literally every form of media on the planet. Absolutely, the, they comic books, yep, manga, uh, novels, I, novels, novels, movies, uh, audio bo- uh, audio books, audio adventures. <laughs> like non-fiction books you know like yeah. the galaxy's edge cookbook or which, like which i have cookbook yeah well i mean well, well heck i mean they even have like children's books which are non-canonical there's um right. i can't remember the name of it but it's a, it's my daughter has it and it's a series of short stories about all the different uh uh, uh females from star wars so i mean like you got princess leia you've got ray um, I mean, it, it talks about some, some of like the Twi'lek dancers. I mean, it, it tells it all in like kid appropriate short stories. And it's all like, I, like she was reading it to me one day and I'm like, you know, this is, this is very well done actually. I mean, you can tell that they're, they're targeting it towards young girls, but all in all, it was actually very well done. I was really impressed with that. Well, I mean, they, they also have, you know, the, the, we, we talked about this other, other media that they have and, you know, the, the, the universe is so vast that, you know, there, there's all these stories. And then there's video games. Yep. Obviously, there's video games. And like, TV shows. And yep. TV shows. Uh, you know, thank you, Disney and Lucasfilm, for for just, like, filling our hearts mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. And, and time slots with all of this Star Wars content that they're getting ready to put out. Like, oh, it's yeah. staggering the amount of money and trust that the House of Mouse is putting behind this thing. Which makes sense yeah. because they are a merchandising money-making machine yeah dude i i am super looking forward to the obi-wan series i i want to see more sassy ewan mcgregor damn it (laughs) and ewan mcgregor's obi-wan is at least one of the things that like pretty much all fans can get behind being like at least that was good like if you hate prequels they're like well but his obi-wan was pretty good yeah well i mean mean, go ahead i I was gonna say that the I was going to divulge into the prequels a bit, but it sounds like you were going to stick with Obi-Wan, so go ahead. You take your thumb first. Just, just, I, I agree with Keenan completely on that one. I think that, love or hate the prequels, I don't think I've talked to anyone, regardless of their frame of thought on the prequels, that didn't like Obi-Wan. I mean, everybody knows the, you know, General Kenobi. I mean, everybody knows that scene, you know. Hello there. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, he just, he does a really good job of, of, being reminiscent of Alec Guinness yeah. while being a younger man, you know, yeah. being oh, absolutely. that fully formed character. And he was just like so snarky and sarcastic and fun, but like serious when he needed to be. Yep. And 
and just made Obi-Wan like a real badass. Yeah. So awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, and if you look at um it, it also if you look at like the the other renditions of of Obi Wan as well, like in the the Clone Wars, TV oh yeah, James series, Arnold Taylor, is James Arnold Taylor, too. it does a fantastic Obi Wan of keeping that same oh, yeah. tone and like keeping the character that that same way, which is a credit to James Arnold Taylor and also a credit to uh, Dave Filoni and his team for writing, oh, yeah. to write that character and that that essence of the character. Um, and, uh, you know, fun trivia for you guys. Ewan McGregor is actually the nephew of the, oh, yeah. of the actor who plays Wedge Antilles in the original oh, trilogy. Yep, yep. So it's got a nice so, little tie in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so, Some history before. Yeah, right? so the Force is strong with that family, too. <laughs> I, I think one thing I'm really excited for for the Obi-Wan series, too, is I, I like that they got Hayden Christensen to be Darth Vader again. Right. And I'm, like, I... I to this day, I still vacillate back and forth between being like, was he actually a really bad Anakin, or was he like a fairly decent Anakin given what he was given? Right. And I, and I pre and at the very least, I appreciate that they're giving him basically a second chance to more or less redeem himself. And yeah. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. I kind of hope there's like some flashback scenes mm. to show like basically stuff that would be in like the Clone Wars cartoon, but they do it live action. That would be really cool to give. Because, I mean, obviously, if he's Darth Vader, he's more or less going to be in the suit the whole time. I want to see him be, you know, flesh and bone, I guess. Right, you, uh, you want to see Anakin, not Vader. Yeah, I want to see him be able to do both justice and kind of get his own little redemption, too. Right. Uh, yeah. Anakin guy, maybe Vader someday. <laughs> maybe Vader, no, he's just a small fry. My daughter oh, was yeah. listening to that the other day. There we hey. go. There's another, there's another form that you have made it. We're, when Weird Al parodies you... You, you have, yeah. Well, I mean, heck, if we're going to talk um, like music, I mean, obviously, you know, we mentioned the Cantina song, but uh, going back again to Galaxy's Edge, if you go to the Cantina there, they have a, a uh, DJ playing music that's wrote by actual bands for in-universe Star Wars music, and you can find that on Spotify, iTunes, like, so you can actually download music that was wrote to be in-universe music that you never heard in the movies but you can still listen to like the whole way back from Florida. Cause I, I drove, I like driving and I'm also insane. Uh, drove from Indiana to Florida, but uh, like the whole way back, it was almost entirely listening to the music from the cantina. Cause it, it's, it's good. It all sounds like, I can't think of a single one of those songs that would sound out of place in a cantina scene in any star Wars film. Every single one of them sound or, or like a club or something like that. that you would see in universe. They all fit. Right. They did a phenomenal job on that. Like, when you were listening to it, did someone offer you death sticks? I mean, I was waiting for a guy to pop up in the back seat and offer me some, you know? And then wonder where this guy came from. But, uh... Also, terrifying. I, I remember seeing this as, like, a meme on Reddit or something, but the idea that, like, Obi-Wan could, like, alter someone's entire life trajectory with, like, yeah. one word. Yeah. What did that guy do afterwards? Like, well, like, he, like, like... The, that's the story I want. <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's the next series after Obi-Wan, death stick guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, but right because every Star Wars that, that's one of the other great things about Star Wars and like the merchandising that they do is that they're every person you can see on screen probably has a name and at least some kind of merchandise tied to it. So okay, if, if we're gonna go off of that, who's your favorite obscure Star Wars character, guys? Ooh, obscure Star Wars character. 
Like, if you would have asked me, like, three years ago, I would have said Boba Fett, but after Mandalorian, I can't really call him obscure anymore. I mean... I almost... Like, to me, he's not that obscure, just because um, he's featured kind of prominently in Return of the Jedi. He's just... It's funny. I like Salacious Tom. Salacious, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just want that weird little (laughs) Kowakian space monkey, which they apparently eat in the Star Wars universe, as we see in Mando. Mm. What about you, Ian? Uh, you know, if I, if I go with original Star Wars, Star Wars universe, you, you, you get to see him as a one shot character, like literally one scene, IG-88. Oh, right. Yep. The bounty of the, uh, the assassin droid. Right. Like he has no speaking lines. Mm-hmm. He has really no movement. I think maybe his head turns. Right. Right. Um, but he was just such a cool design droid. And obviously with Mando, you got to see one of the IG units go like whole ham on a Dude, bunch of... Dude, yeah, you did. And just see how freaking insane those droids actually were. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I always remember... I, I remember him both fondly and, and, and terribly because I remember um, the, uh, the uh, N64 Star Wars game, uh, Star Wars... Shadows of the Empire? Yes, yep. Shadows of the Empire. Great game. Because you fight IG-88 in that game. And he was always a cast iron bitch. Right. To beat. And it took me forever to beat him in that game. Oh, yeah. So I just always, I always remember him as, as a character. But, um, you know, if we, if we look at like character, you know, we're talking about characters and, and actors and things like that. It, it, like, the act the actors of star wars is one of the the major things that that has made that movie and i don't think i mean like harrison ford i think is famously the one that hated it the most yeah with the exception of alec guinness but i mean he alec guinness just said he didn't understand it and like he thought it was stupid and whatnot but right it wasn't his cup of tea right it wasn't his cup of tea because he's british i heard a rumor that um harrison ford hates Han Solo so much because it reminds him too much of himself. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, if you've way. ever seen video of Harrison Ford just being himself, he's Han Solo. I mean, like, he, he, like, he doesn't like the character because he relates too much to it. Like, I've heard that he much prefers being Indiana Jones because there's, like, more disconnect for him right. with the character. He's not so playing himself. Like, he, just, he just doesn't like being Han Solo because it's basically him in a costume. Right. right. <laughs> but, like... You know, you you look at all of the original actors and characters, mm. and like they've stuck with this series. Oh yeah, like forever. Like Mark Hamill is famously one of the most wholesome people in the world. Oh yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he just like he is so appreciative of his fans and like everything that like they bring and everything that he's involved with with them, like goes out of his way to be nice, you know, does guest appearances on stuff, like, just one-shot things where he shows up to do things, and, like, just very famously an amazing, like, fan of his fan. Right. But I've heard that he has an amazing sense of humor as well. Yes. He's one of those people that could have gotten really bitter about the fame, because clearly he's never going to get away from being known as Luke Skywalker right. or, and, or, and Joker and long after he's dead. So um, 
he could be one of those people who could just, you know, like piss and moan and be really mean to their fans and like want to try and distance themselves as much as they could, even though they couldn't. Right. Uh, he could he could have really like been angry that that was like his one big thing or whatever. And instead, he I mean, he has done other good things. Yeah. Uh, but he he instead embraced it, like you said, which I think is cool. And I think in general, even Harrison Ford in his own Harrison Fordy kind of way <laughs> doesn't uh necessarily like totally crap on the series i think pretty much all the actors and people involved have more or less been pretty welcoming and open to you know they're part of that legacy and not like crapping on fans for when they want to talk about well i mean look at uh you know look at at uh anthony daniels who plays c-3po i mean he's been he he is c-3po c-3po in everything yep like every appearance of 3PO has been Anthony Daniels, whether voiced or physical. Mm-hmm. Like he is that character. Yeah. You know, Mark Hamill is, is Luke Skywalker. Uh, and, you know, I think of, uh, you know, like Peter Mayhew and, you know, um, oh, uh, the, I, the name escapes me, the guy who played R2D2. Um, uh, no. Kenny. Uh... Yeah, Kenny. Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. Yeah, Thank you. I was going to say Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Chesney. Wait. Um, but I mean, they were all they were all so involved with the series. Oh yeah. Like just continuing to be involved until they literally couldn't do it anymore. Like Peter Mayhew stopped doing Chewbacca because he he like couldn't walk. Yeah. Like, he's like he, wheelchair confined eventually. Right. I mean, he's uh, he's got he had giantism, so he's he's tall and they. You know, he has pro- he had problems with his knees, mm-hmm. like it just hurt. Yeah. Um, and so he just couldn't do it anymore. But he was on set yeah. to provide instruction to the guy playing Chewbacca, like yeah. showing him like facial expressions, like how to emote underneath this rug. Right. <laughs> because that's what it was. Right. And, you know, it, then, uh, you know, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher, yeah. which I will say was probably one of the saddest days ever yeah. was was her unexpected passing. Um, and I'm even kind of feeling a little emotional right now about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, because let's admit it, guys. Like, she was our princess. She was. Yeah. Well, and the thing that's kind of crazy and, and makes her more endearing is the fact that out of probably any of the, uh, the actors of Star Wars, she had the roughest go. Yeah. Because, I mean... I mean, even from the beginning, casting her, they're like, you got to lose like 15 pounds yeah. before you get it. So she already, and I mean, she was like 19 when she filmed it. And yeah. so I mean, she, that, she was a kid. Of, Let's call it what it is, you know? That's a lot of weird pressure and body issue stuff thrown yeah. to someone who probably already had that anyway. And then she had, you know, alcohol problems and drug problems and right. just all kinds of, you know, just crap that she had to go through. Yeah. And yet, during that time and i'm sure at some point she just absolutely despised star wars but at least to people she interacted with Mm -hmm. she was still a really good sport about it and then came back around you know in her middle age or whatever to to really re-accept it and it was great seeing her you know get back into it and uh you know embracing that good part of her life and and kind of making a second go and then sadly you know got cut short which really sucks yeah because um of you know just that journey of that you know star wars it, it was a really weird love-hate relationship but in the end i think she did really really love it right well i, I, I think I, 
Go ahead, Tim. I was just saying, and, and like, she had such a camaraderie with the other original actors. Like, I mean, if you look at, like, behind-the-scenes uh, behind set photos of, like, uh, her, Mark, and Harrison Ford hanging around, they're, like, super, like, buddy-buddy palling around, like, making jokes, goofing off on the set. Like, so, I mean, and they still, you know, up until the end there, still had such a, a close friendship that, I mean, it just kind of shows that, like, you know, they, they were a family, you know? Yeah, Mar I mean, Mark is famous famously said that Carrie was I mean they were like brother and sister yeah like they were they were just they had always been close I and, mean for a while they were Kentucky brother and sister um, <laughs> I mean, like, um like I would love to sit down with George Lucas and go okay so when you started off this thing with Luke and Leia I'm assuming I'm going to assume you didn't plan on them being siblings and if you did what was your thought process there George Right, like when he when he was like working with like Lawrence Kasdan or whatever, like, and he brought that up. It's like, hey, let's uh, uh, make them brother and sister. And he's like, wait, didn't you have them like kiss in the last movie? Ah, forget it. No one will care. <laughs> right, and now people are like, wait a second. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the yeah everybody in the the original cast seemed, and I mean, uh, I think one of my favorite like random pictures I saw was there was. I think this was on Star Wars Reddit, but it was like a photo shoot of uh, Carrie Fisher doing stuff for Star Wars, mm -hmm. but she was doing it with, I'm assuming Peter Mayhew, but it was someone in the Chewbacca outfit. Mm -hmm. And they were like on a beach and he was like just holding her and like carrying her. <laughs> she was like, like screwing around with it. And I just was like, that's great. That's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think she was like real close with Peter Mayhew too. Mm -hmm. And uh, just everybody involved really. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean they they built a they built not only a legacy but a family. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's been like they had like it was so fantastic to be able to see you know these movies and mm -hmm. uh, and really be kind of part of that universe. Um, and you know we again we we miss Carrie Fisher. She was definitely our princess. Yeah. Um, she's elevated to the status of Disney princess now. Yep. Quite literally. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, uh, so not only was she princess of a galaxy, but, uh, you know, the, uh, an official Disney princess now. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing that I, the, some of the other fun trivia is, uh, you know, I've seen some interviews with Mark Hamill and whatnot, and Hamill, it must be the absolute greatest secret. Like, you could tell Dude, that man yeah. anything, and he would never divulge a secret. Oh, yeah? Because he was the only one that knew about the... Uh, you know, the, the Vader line, like the Luke, I am your father thing. And he, he, he famously said, he's like, I couldn't tell Carrie that for two years. Oh God. <laughs> like, do you know how hard it is to keep something from Carrie? <laughs> from Carrie <laughs> yeah. Like it's, like it's miserable. Cause you know, the joke was also being that if you wanted, a, if you wanted something to get out, you just told Carrie and it would be out in minutes. <laughs> um, because she, she blab, blab. Um, yeah. but yeah, so he was the only one that knew that. He was the only one that knew about his appearance in, like, in Mando. Like, yeah. like, oh. like, well, I mean, they did a phenomenal job of keeping that under wraps, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, and, and Jean Favreau was, was on the, the morning show uh, shortly after that episode premiered and basically was just like, yeah, I have no idea how we managed to keep that from getting out. But, right. I mean, because it was a year that that was kept under wraps. Right. Like, which probably, I mean, I don't know if it's just like, everybody is fearful of pissing off the house of mouse or if it's probably like, respect, that's, you right. know, respect and passion for the, this universe that, 
that these people were like, nah, nah, we're not, we're not saying anything. You're like, oh my god, this is so cool. We gotta keep the secret and like have everybody have that same right feeling. Right. right. Yeah. So just, you know, the 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 actors, even the extended extended actors, you know, from uh, the different universes. You know, like we said, James Arnold Taylor is, is Obi Wan. Uh, Matthew Woods. Um, for you know his portrayals uh, of Bib Fortuna, of his, his, right. his, clearly his most famous character. Right. Well, I mean he he's famously also the voice of of General Grievous, so that's you know where where um, where he fits in. And then uh, the the guy who plays Anakin in the the Clone Wars, Matt, Matt uh, Matthew, Lanter. yeah, Matt Lanter. Yeah. Wait, um, I got a fun trivia fact real quick. The original voice for Grievous, who they wanted to, and they almost got him, but he ended up having to back out for some reason, was Gary Oldman. Really? That would have been interesting to have have his voice behind that. Yeah, and it's like, what? And I mean, he's famously done like a ton of like crazy, like evil Russian dudes. I'm assuming <laughs> that what Grievous more or less would have ended up sounding like. A Russian uh, Grievous. Huh. Also, the cop that he does was... Uh, George Lucas is coughing because he had bronchitis during the time. Oh goodness! <laughs> well, and like, like if we're talking about Grievous, like we we can't talk about Grievous without talking about uh, post Disney things being made non-canon anymore. Yeah, because like you brought up his cough and the the Clone Wars animated thing. Last I heard was no longer canon, but that explains why his rib cage got crushed and why he has that cough was because Mace Windu just force crushed him. Yeah, the. Uh, Tarkovsky car, uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's canon. Yeah, well, I mean, there were so much, so many novels, comics, like well, all kinds yeah. of extended lore that's not canon anymore. We're but... talking about Shadows of the Empire. That's not canon. So, like yeah. Dash Rentar, I don't think is technically a canon character well, at the moment. His, well, his ship is. Yes, because his ship appears uh, in the in the in the, the Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, his his ship appears there. The ghost appears yep. there. Um, you know, there's a there's a ton of Easter eggs there if you have like a 120 inch screen and can pick them all out. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know the the well even the Corell, the original Corellian Corvette that Leia uses is there. Yeah. Um, the Tantive Five. Tantive Five. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a Tantive Five. Yeah, the Tantive Five is there and participates in the battle in the battle. Um, and so like, yeah. The, and that's something we haven't covered as well. We talked about sound design, but like the ships, we're, we're Jesus. cool. <laughs> Jesus, there's so many of them, but they're amazing. And I think what's cool about them is that they looked, for the most part, until you started getting into like the prequels and stuff, then they started to get like smoother or whatever. But like right. they were like rough and like weirdly yeah. shaped and like not aerodynamic looking, and <laughs> right. they looked and industrial. And I think that kind of gave it like more of a lived-in, real yeah. kind of vibe. Ships well, I mean, they yeah. would have had to have built in space because getting them into orbit, they would have just ripped themselves apart. <laughs> right. Well, I think that was the whole thing with the Super Star Destroyer, right? Like, it literally can't, like, it can't go on a planet. Yeah. It's just too big. Like, it has to be an an, or, an in space only, <laughs> only ship. Right. Um, you know, with the well, with the Death Star, if it if it's missing a parking spot, it can just make one. <laughs> right. Boof. Uh, right there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, which. Is... I'll show you handicap parking. Oh. Right, exactly. Well, that was the Death Star too. Um... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Because oh. It, it's not half made, or is it because an old man was driving? Well, maybe that's maybe <laughs> maybe that's why the, maybe that's why the Rebel Alliance got so many dings in their ships uh, during that. 
Wow. Wow. Backing the Death Star into its spot. Wow, guys. We only drove it at like uh, like a couple, like not even uh, hyperspeed. He was like sublight speed, and everybody behind him was like honking. Come on, he he only drove it at two parsecs. Yes, Yes, exactly. Uh, but I mean, the 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 ships are just absolutely iconic. Like, oh yeah. If you look at if you look at Star Trek, there's what maybe three ships that people can name. There's the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. There's the Bird of Prey, or the whatever the Warp Warbird. I, I'm Warbird. not a Trekkie. Yeah, Honestly, I. I think then, the general public would just know the Enterprise. I think beyond that, they like might recognize the silhouette, but they wouldn't remember right. the name. And the the, right. the, the Borg cube, I'd say, would be one because I mean that's that uh, was yeah. important okay. enough. Rubik's cube, like okay, yeah, 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 sure you could. It is it is a geometric shape. Yeah, like yes, of course you can draw a parallel <laughs> parallel to it. Right. Like, it's like me holding a and going, look, a flying saucer. Well, yes, it is a saucer. <laughs> but the Whoosh. Star Wars, though, so good. Tie Tie Fighters. I mean, oh, these I- are iconic like, silhouette. Right. Well, well, that's what we mean. It's like it's iconic. Like we talked about, you know, the sounds. Like people can immediately know the sounds without having watched the movies like it's just so ingrained in color like you could probably pull out like these ships and they'd be like oh yeah I, that that's from the the space movie mm-hmm. the like, space movie like it's just it's one of those things that it's like they will recognize it and apparently the green screen film can pick up the cat behind me <laughs> um, i just happen to notice that <laughs> yes well but um so though they can like all of these ships and the these Things and the creatures and the oh characters. god, we didn't even get the creatures too. Oh god, right, Tauntauns, uh, the, the walrus, Minox. the walrus face thing, Wampas. Um, uh, yeah, right. no, I was talking oh. about the the oh. walrus guy from the fir- from uh, A New Hope in the uh, cantina. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, or not yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he just gets cut in half. Um, Bondo Papa or something. Yeah, Some, something, something like stupid that. like that. Um, <laughs> I'm I mean, trying to remember my the, the Mama Papa. Yeah, that's it. I mean, come on, guys, huts. Dude, yeah, Jabba's yeah. freaking. Yep. That was like nine people working on a giant you know, puppet. Twi'lek, Twi'lek, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Plo, Coon, you know, Plo Koon's race, uh, um, Kit oh, Fisto's uh, race, which I can't remember the name of them. Uh, um, I mean, w- Wookies, whatever Yoda species is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on. Yeah, there, I mean, there are thousands, and especially if you get into the extended media, you know. Oh, yeah. Playing the 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 uh, uh, the old Republic game, the mm-hmm. Bioware's MMO, like there's still there are hundreds of species in that game that you interact with, whether it's yeah. for you know minutes or just or hours or whatever. Like it's just right. it's vast, you like, know, it's huge. And we've touched on Star Wars games a little bit, but like that's the whole other thing of like oh, Star God, Wars has had such a long history. And I mean, it was really sad when they closed LucasArts, but now they're kind of redoing it now with Lucasfilm games or whatever right. it's called. Um, well, I mean, they re-released the Monkey Island games. They re-released... Yeah, uh, which are phenomenal. Uh, they re-released Grim Fandango. They re-released uh, The Day of the Tentacle. Yep. Which was famously a, uh, a Lucasfilm game. Um, Republic I think Commando. Uh, wait, what's the one with, like, the dog and the bunny? That's a Lucasfilm. Uh, Sam and Max. Oh, what? Yeah, Sam and Max. Yeah, yep. that's a, that's coming out. So, it, yeah, I mean, even beyond Star Wars, Lucas uh, Lucas Arts made a lot of really oh, yeah. cool games and did a lot of cool things. But then, like the Star Wars games, obviously you got the Rogue Squadron, 
Uh, you had Shadows of the Empire. You had the pod racing game for 64 <laughs> Which was which was a fun game. That admittedly, yeah, was, that was fun. Yeah. No, uh, that, that was that was a great original game. Battlefront games. Mm-hmm. The new Battlefront games are pretty good, minus the loot system that used to exist. Um, right. Well, right. Tim mentioned it earlier, but Republic Commando, which Republic I Republic Commando is bomb, and they're re-releasing it yep. for the Xbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's it's out for the Switch now too. Yep. Um, <laughs> which I think we've touched on this before, but my hope is that them re-releasing that leads to another game like i, I would be completely for that like because that game was so bad it, it was very like halo but star wars yeah like, oh, very much so halo but you were playing a star wars game which made it much cooler right yeah. but it, it was also a squad based game so like you sure. could control your squad and like you know even dying in that like if you get knocked down in that game like your squad can come revive you yeah like, you die is not the end of it unlike like mass effect where like you go down and you're you have to restart the yeah. mission yeah uh, when I, I remember, like, I was at that age where I found, like, certain, like, dumb things funny and enjoyable, and so, like, my favorite thing that I remember from that game is they had, like, a multiplayer or whatever that you could do, mm-hmm. and I just remember, like, if you got the bowcaster, like, if you killed someone, it would, like, pin them to a wall, <laughs> and it would have a weird, like, ragdoll effect, and I just remember finding that hilarious. Nice. I've forgotten about that. Um, what other games? Oh, there's the Force Unleashed games were pretty fun oh, when it, they came out. Yeah. Um, Jedi Outcast, the newest one. And then there's yeah. uh, the Jedi... Jedi Academy. Uh... Well, there's Jedi Academy, and then there's the newest one, which is... What is that called? Jedi... It's not Outcast, because that was a different um, game, too. Yeah. Um, um, one that just came out. That I was literally playing that the other day. Fallen um, Order. What is that it? it? Jedi, Jedi Fallen Fall. yes. Order. Yep, Jedi Fallen yeah. Order, yep. That came out, and I, I still haven't played it, but it looks really good. It is really yeah. good, actually. Um, I mean, then there's the there's obviously the sp- the flying sim games. And, oh yeah, the know, new Rogue Squadron game. The new Rogue, which oh, is I'm really about, fun, like Star, Wars, like Star Wars X-wing and Star Wars Tie Fighter. Right. Like, you know the old school ones, it, or actually one of my one of my favorite computer games um, mm. is uh, um, Star Wars Rene- uh, Renegade. I think. Oh. oh uh, it's on Steam, but it's like an old '90s game, and it's it's a strategy game. Yeah. Like, you have to like there like there's all the different planets and you can build fleets and oh, troops sweet. and stuff. You have to like take over the galaxy, but and you can play as both. You can play as either the Empire or as the as the the rebels. I think you I've never played that one. Empire at War, which is like that. I think that's like an RTS game. Yeah. Well, Empire, Empire at War was so they they did a um, basically it was like an Age of Empires reskinned with Star Wars. Yeah. Right. Um, and I. I I can't remember what it was called, but it was literally like just Age of it was Age of Empires three with like a Star Wars skin. That was right, that was real. But your game was like Empire, yeah, more different. Yeah. yeah, my my game was much more different than that. But Empire at War was a new. It was still this an RTS, but it was completely redone. Like okay. it was completely new from the ground up, like new mechanics and everything. Whereas the again the Age of Empires one was, it was Age of Empire like it was Age of Empires with a Star Wars skin. Like right. that's realistically all that it was. Yeah. Like they didn't really have to put much effort. Into it. <laughs> Um, there you go. But yeah, so there, there's just so much in Star Wars that oh, has yeah. touched, touched the culture and the world, and you know it, it's so I, iconic. And yeah. you know it, it even draws from like different cultures and things like that because it's Star Wars was written very much based upon like uh, you know Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. 
a Japanese, you know, his Japanese films, it draws directly from, I believe, Yojimbo and The Hidden Fortress right. um, are two of the, the direct comparisons. And even the light, even the saber combat styles are based upon Japanese sword fighting styles. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I do, I, I think I mentioned this before, but I do Kendo. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, if you look at the fight scenes, like there are, direct stances that they take that are kendo stances kendo yeah. and kenjutsu um not to not to spoil too much but it, there's a clip out on youtube that you can go and watch it's obi-wan versus uh darth maul on tatooine yep i don't see you talking uh, about and you know it's the final confrontation against obi and darth maul um and obi-wan takes like when they go to start fighting they both take a kendo stance mm -hmm. like you can direct i can directly draw the comparison because i do those stances in kendo <laughs> right so I, the first time i saw that i went oh god they did the thing <laughs> i also like that scene as a poetic thing where like he starts off doing like his classic like lightsaber above his head thing yep and then he switches to like qui-gon's like hand on the side thing yep i thought that was Oh, that was like very cool, nice. Like in universe touch too. Yep. Yeah. Um I mean, even like the 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 shows and whatnot, like they got like when Qui-Gon when they reintroduced Qui-Gon as a force ghost mm -hmm. in the Clone Wars, they right. got Ian or uh, Liam Neeson to, to come back and do the voice. See, I, I didn't know that was Liam. I thought that was an impersonator. Wow. Yeah, they no, got, he, no. he actually he, did it. He came back. Um I mean even uh Ian even uh, Ian McDermott came back and did some palpatine voice uh, lines right although in the the la the well i guess now next to the last season of clone wars um the the guy who was playing palpatine had passed away so then they had tim curry come in and do voices so oh. there is there is a jarring difference like if you like if you binge this between the series you can definitely tell the difference because tim curry has a very iconic voice yes, so when he came and started doing it like it was very like very jarring and you're like oh ooh. what is but this I, I, right but, it but worked. I he, did, he did a good treatment of it yeah it worked it different you know actually if i remember correctly the original voice actor on clones war clone wars for palpatine's name was also ian i believe I think his name was ian abercrombie <laughs> yeah like i believe so but um but yeah Huh. The uh, I will say that generally speaking, Star Wars has also done a good job of keeping their different, especially now that like with the Filoni verse, uh, <laughs> right. a good job of like keeping things interconnected. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, paying attention to stuff in general. I mean, a, a few things they fudged on or whatever. I think just because like George Lucas or whoever was in charge kind of was like, eh, I don't really care because I just want to tell my story. Right. So they didn't like, care too much about it, but. Um, especially like oh, the power like, of retcon, <laughs> but right. especially like games and the comics and books and whatnot, like really like tie into each other and like you know reference things and stuff. Some of that is some of that is a little bit of fan service, obviously, yeah. like yeah. very much like my clunky. Um, <laughs> right. That was totally a fan service oh. thing that everyone was just like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Hold on, a minute. I gotta go back and listen to that again. Um, but uh, you know that. There's that. There's some fan service there, and the, the interconnected universe. You know, again, people kind of pan the writing a little bit, uh, you know. But if you go back and watch the Clone Wars cartoon series, like if you you talk about some of the best uh, 
character development. Oh, absolutely, ever. yeah. Yeah, ever. Like, the the development and the slow, like, the slow descent of Anakin into where he winds up being. Yeah. Just amazing. We're well, taking, so- like, a character who was dead and not really all that interesting other than looking cool, Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and turning him into arguably one of the more complex dynamic characters not just villains but characters in star wars clone wars took it respected a lot of the material that was like in the prequels and stuff Mm -hmm. but it then took those things and just expanded on it a lot oh absolutely like things uh it's due which i think was really cool well well, like you, you were talking about you know anakin as a character like i feel that the clone wars did a much better job the clone wars uh, series did a much better job showing his descent to the dark side than what the movies did but i mean then again you're talking about you know something that's two hours long versus something that spans several seasons of a tv show you've got the time to develop into that character growth right well and then if you also look at it they took an original character that was an original character and made her one of the most endearing beloved characters in the star Wars universe. And of course I'm talking about Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. She was a character that was originally really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like her first like, appearance, like she was too plucky, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they even nicknamed her snips yeah. for like, that was her nickname in the series. Yep. Um, and like they they developed beautifully this character and made her fit yeah into the Star Wars universe like lead and especially the last season like leading up to episode 3 mm-hmm. like they did a beautiful job of weaving that all together tying it together and showcasing why she wasn't with Anakin right at you know when he did turn um, and it was just such a, it was poetic, really. Like, just some of the, again, some of the best character development and character building that you could ever hope for. And, and one of the, my favorite characters as well is Captain Rex. Right. <laughs> you know, he just, a, just a clone trooper that develops into his own tour de force. Right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and becomes just this ingrained part of the mythos, which, again, another trivia Disney has come and said that yes, the old guy on Endor, on the Battle of Endor is in fact Captain Rex. So, which is a nice little retcon, you know. Yeah, it's a nice little retcon. It's canonically it works. Right. Like, which also goes to because he survives, which also goes to show that Rex Rex was there for the the fall of the Republic, mm-hmm. the rise of the Empire, the fall of the Empire. Yeah, he was there through it all. He was integral to all of it. Oh yeah. Much like the Skywalkers were. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he didn't do as much damage as the <laughs> <Right>. Skywalkers. But... <laughs> yeah. But it's still crucial. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, we, we've kind of touched on a lot of things. We didn't really delve in any of the particular movies, but we've just kind of really done more like a cultural analysis of Star Wars yeah. and, and how it's affected all of us. But we, Well, we could. Uh, just real quick, I guess another question for you guys is, I mean... There's probably too many, but, like, what's, like, a scene that pops up in your head that, like, really is, like, Star Wars for you? It could be, I guess we could just go with the movies, but if there's something from other media that's, like, really striking to you, I guess you can bring that up as well. For me, I mean, kind of encompassing the, 
like the overall themes of like family, inner struggle, things like that. It would be the the scene where where Han Solo is on the bridge talking to Ben, you know, his son Ben, mm. you know, trying to trying to talk him down, trying to, to talk him back, and just lightsaber right through him. Because I mean, to, to me, that that shows off that that theme of of like I said, family, inner struggle, choices. I mean, ultimately, that's that's one of the big themes of Star Wars is the choice, the choice to do the right thing or to give in right. to what's easy. Yeah, yeah. So that that scene sticks out for me a lot. That's a that's a really good one. Uh, that was very well done mm-hmm. in the series. Um, it's very like Greek too, to like or like Shakespearean. Oh, very like, much you know, so. Very much so. Intent, and it was a good way of like immediately making you be like, "You suck, Kylo Ren." Like we hate yep. you. Like it gave oh, you an like, immediate I'm reason to dislike him. Yeah. <laughs> right. What about you guys? Um, I, I mean. There, there's obviously the scene that you know the the Vader I am your father scene. Um, I think really one of the scenes that to me it didn't it didn't feel as iconic when I first watched it, but after watching the tie-in materials like the Clone Wars and everything else, everything else, it, it made it a lot more poignant. Which was Vader's return to the the light side when he kills Palpatine. Oh yeah. Knowing all of everything that happened before that, mm-hmm. it makes it a much more powerful scene to me. Oh, yeah. um, so that is that one ranks very high for me. And then another one, which is um, from the Clone Wars uh, series, is actually from the last episode mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars, where um, Order, you know, Order sixty six is, is done. Yeah, and. Ahsoka turns around to Rex, like fighting the urge to shoot her. Right, and you, like you see him crying because he's try- like he has to fight. He's trying to fight this. Yeah, and that that to me was just a, a, a gut wrenching, wrenching, very powerful scene. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those are nice because they recontextualize things that without the added knowledge of other stuff like you said it isn't i mean when you when people first saw return of the jedi they only had you know the empire strikes back and a new hope right. and i mean it, it does work and it, and it fits and it is emotional mm-hmm. but then when the prequels came out you then see what annie was like and how like it parallels uh events in that and that made it hit harder and oh, then yeah. you see the clone wars when that eventually came out that gives like even more to it and yeah it really really drives home that that like saga's whole like like you said choice about how like vader picked the wrong choice and but then eventually did make the right choice right. you know the redemption that you can get so that hits and then like the rex thing is impactful because like the clones were just indispensable yeah. you know whatever they were just background things in the prequels that you probably had some questions about if you like nerded out but you didn't think that hard on them right but then the clone wars made them people because i mean they're not droids they're living people that were just cloned and then gave them personalities and then to get the whole order 66 thing you're like oh yeah that is jacked up that's like how to get living people to just suddenly betray people they trusted and like it's it does yeah hit a lot harder Mm -hmm. yeah and i think one of the i think one of those one of those tie-ins is um in the the clone war series is um the death of fives Right. Yeah. 
when he's trying to un when he's you know trying to uh uh you know reveal order 66 and the control chips and things like that like that was just such a powerful thing like you know it was you don't you don't realize how close to the razor's edge palpatine's entire scheme was yeah like he was seconds away from from the whole thing the whole house of cards coming down yeah um and it, it really i would say it's luck that it, it was pure luck that it, it, in my experience uh, there's no such thing as luck <laughs> right right <laughs> um but you know they're yeah you're right no it, it it really made the clones part of it and i've heard there you know there's rumors out there or whatever that um you know even even uh commander cody actually survived and yeah. like felt terrible about what had happened and like spent the rest of his life trying to atone for oh wow for his betrayal of obi-wan i don't know if that's canonically true or not i think right. they've That'd be interesting. they've oh, teased yeah. it and whatnot so uh, as far as my favorite scene goes, I, I like all of your scenes. Uh, the the Han Solo thing was um, was very sad because I love Han Solo. He's probably one of my favorite characters. Right. And um, I will say, actually, um, I got two okay. that are kind of related. We've already talked about one, and then one it kind of relates to both of your guys' scenes. All right. So one of them that I like is as much as I had fairly mixed feelings about the rise of Skywalker, mm. I actually really liked the scene where Ben talks to Han Solo again. Oh, right. I, I thought that that mirroring of the, of their conversation in the force awakens mm -hmm. in the, in rise of Skywalker worked really well mm -hmm. thematically. And it, 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 that was like a part that gave me like a lump in my throat. I thought yeah. that was like really touching. And also I just really didn't think Harrison Ford would come back to do something like that. Right. So like that legitimately surprised me. I was like, Oh dang. And um, it, yet again, it goes to like the redemption kind of thing, very similar to like Vader, you know, eventually choosing to save his son. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, another thing that always like gives me like chills and a lump in my throat is seeing order 66 in uh, revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Like, like the music that plays is like really haunting and like gothic choir kind of thing right. going on. And then it's just really like jacked up to just see all these Jedi get like eliminated yeah. by their allies. And then you see Yoda, you know, like feeling the hurt and you're like, no Yoda, you're so cute and awesome. Like don't, <laughs> don't feel bad. And then, and then that almost ties into like, it's almost memed now, which is kind of funny since how dark it is, but like, then like Anakin going to the temple and then like killing younglings. Yeah. Um, like all that together just like really is like just so it, it's surprisingly dark in a yeah. relatively lighthearted series. Oh, it yeah. also just really shows you like the need of why they were like, why the rebellion was doing what they were doing in the original trilogy. Like you didn't really see that much evil beyond, you know, like the bad guys. And I guess the death star about that's about all that you saw, but you really saw like, the depths that like Palpatine mm -hmm. went to to like destroy the Republic and everything that was good. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Made it his evil even more evil. Yeah, because I mean, we when you look at the narrative, like we don't really have much on the Empire. We just know that they are an evil empire. We just know they're dicks that blow up planets, but like right. we don't get a lot of like. But that, that. but then you have the expanded media, and again, like you know, they we we talked about in the Mando special, they they referenced. Um, Operation Cinder. Yeah. Yep. 
you know, and uh, how visceral of a thing that was. And, you know, when you, because it, it comes out of a video game, like when you play the game, you realize like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, ow. Like it showcases yep. like the true depth of evil. Well, and then like the Clone Wars, like Palpatine kidnaps kids. Yeah. Like sensitive kids and does experiments. And I mean, even the Mando like rehashes that basically too yeah. with having Grogu and, and stuff. Like the Empire does some pretty gnarly things. And yeah. you like for probably and one of the most, because also like the Death Star blowing up Alderaan, while that's really messed up, we didn't like see anybody on Alderaan. Yeah, we, we didn't was, have a big connection to it. Yeah, I mean, like, and even Leia had a relatively subdued reaction to it. And right. That's probably just for timing and whatever and pacing. But, like, we knew those Jedi and knew what they were about. So, like, seeing them die in Order 66, I thought was, like, really yeah. hardcore. Yeah. So, and, like, I think it's interesting that we picked the really emotional scenes. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, there's lots of, like, cool badass stuff that oh, happens yeah. in Star Wars that, that's awesome. And, I mean, there's tons of other favorite scenes. But I think... Uh, when it comes down to it, we like Star Wars because it is meaningful. Like, it isn't just popcorn summer blockbuster fare. Right. Like, I mean, it is. And I'm not saying it's, like, the most deep thing that's ever been created, but there is a lot of um, good, juicy, thematic stuff that's within it that can really speak to you. And like I said, almost on a, like, really basic, easy-to-understand way. And I think that's why why we chose those scenes is because like there is that present in star wars oh absolutely yeah yeah so um i, I think we've, we've covered a lot and i think we're probably coming up on about time here for us uh so i'll, I'll end with i'll end kind of things with, with a question for you guys okay. um favorite star wars character oh um. hmm Sassy, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan. <laughs> hands down, hands down. As far as far as like main cast goes, that that would be my pick. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pondering. I, I think I have to I think I I mean Obi-Wan uh, Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan is really good. And then there's, like, some characters that are cool mostly just because they look cool or they right. do cool things. Uh, like, I'm probably going to have to go with Han. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think Han is so cool. Like, I, I also like the fact that he's, he almost feels out of place at times. Like, right. he's, like, got this crazy Star Wars, like, you know, space magic stuff going on. And he's just a dude trying to make his way through the universe. He's a with space a trucker. Yeah. And he's and he's just and he add, he adds a lot of like nice comic relief, but oh, he's yeah, also yeah. Like, oh, badass. Yeah. He needs to be so. Yeah, I, I those are good choices. Um, for me, I'm probably going to take the more the first. The first one I'm going to take is the more traditional approach, which is Luke Skywalker. Right. I mean, Luke is dope. So yeah, uh, Luke is dope, and thank God he got his due in Mando. Yes, um, he got his hallway scene. Uh, and would showcase how badass he is. Yeah, um, yeah, it did. And then, probably less traditionally, more expanded universe is Ahsoka. Right. Ahsoka's really good, too. Ahsoka, so, yeah. uh, again, I, I, it's, I, I'm just going to say it's because I absolutely love her character development. Mm -hmm. She she went from a almost nothing side throwaway character to being 
central to the develop the character development of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. yeah, she did. And even beyond that, I mean, she's in three series at this point. Yeah, yeah. Mando, uh, Clone Wars, Rebels, yeah. and she's going to get her own series. Mm-hmm. So this shows you how important that she has become and iconic, like uh, yeah, absolutely and iconic, beloved, like. Right. She is She is part of the Star Wars And universe. I will point out that, you know, because some people, when uh, the sequels came out and people complained that they didn't like them, a lot of people were like, oh, what, is it because you don't like a female-led Star Wars movie? Because, like, Ray or whatever, they were like, trying to say that were, like, misogynistic or something like that. I'm like, no, you just didn't have, you just might have had issues with the movie. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the fact that Ray's a girl. Right. And you point out the fact that Ahsoka who was, like we mentioned, initially hated, is now one of the most beloved Star Wars characters it's of all, all time. It's all writing. Yep. The girl, it really doesn't matter. Like, we don't, most people, most good fans mm. don't care about the gender or their species or what they represent or whatever, just as long as they're good. Yeah. And, like, she has excellent character development where you actually give a crap about her, oh, yeah. whereas Ray's character development is arguably not great. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to so. see more of Hondo. <laughs> Hondo, like I, I was sitting there thinking about it after I said, you know, uh, Obi Wan. If I'm picking like secondary characters, it, it would be Hondo Onaka from Onaka Transports. Totally legitimate. For secondary characters, mine's uh, HK forty-seven. <laughs> there you go. Silence, meatbag. <laughs> I <laughs> like <laughs> that was such a great character. Like, I, for one, I love this speech pattern thing where he like states what like kind of sentence he's saying, and then yeah. he's just so like gleefully and polite. He's like evil C three PO. Yeah, like he's really polite and like kind of funny, but like just pure evil at the same time, and it's great. Like you know, he'll probably stab you in your sleep, but at least he told you he would stab you in his, your sleep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, H, yeah, I kind of forgot about him. HK is a is a fantastic character. Oh yeah. Um, but again, there's like there's so many iconic characters, especially if you get into the expanded, extended, you yeah, know, universe. The, a Legends universe now. Yeah, right. Legends yeah. universe. Well, when I say expanded, I mean like just the the larger outside of the, yeah, like, the out the of the movies. Yep. Um, there's just so many to pick from. Yeah, and, there are. You know, Everybody's got a favorite, and everybody's allowed to have their favorite. Like yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm gonna. You know, somebody could tell me tell me their favorite character is like the Rancor, and I'd be like, cool, yeah, cool, awesome. Hey, the Rancor's kind of cool though, right? Honestly, like you got some like claymation going on in there. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I, I yeah, want to talk to somebody whose favorite character is Death Sticks guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, or, okay, uh, did, did anybody else think that was Johnny Knoxville the first time they saw that movie? Yeah, he does. Yeah, look like Johnny Knoxville. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it wasn't just me then. <laughs> yeah, or you know, like somebody could just be like, "Oh yeah, my favorite character was Gamorian Guard Number Two. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. You know, right. Whatever. That's that's great. Or power you, to you. Yeah. You're yeah. Right, or exactly. you know, like, I'm sure there's there's some people out there who are like, "Oh, mine was the Twilight Dancer." Yeah. I mean, hey, so, cool. One where they took out the the accidental flash, or the one with the accidental. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. Uh, but 
tying it all together, Star Wars has been obviously a, a huge component of our lives. Oh, it's yeah. a huge component of everyone's lives. Like it is, it is a, it is a bad pun force of nature. Yep. Uh, in that it is, it is so ingrained into our culture now that there is no way you can get rid of it. Yeah. Like there will, there will never be a world right now without Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars to me is kind of like how we still talk about, you know, like uh, Homer and, you know, like the Odyssey, mm-hmm. you know, something written, you know, thousand plus years ago the stories or, of gilgamesh or or, yeah. or that or, or something slightly more modern yeah like shakespeare yeah you know that, that was you know 500 600 years ago and it's just like a thousand years from now in a galaxy it, far far away like there's going to be you know colonists from our uh you know colonies on europa or whatever coming back to the polluted earth and looking through artifacts and finding like Star Wars lunchboxes and whatever, and being like, these must be the deities they worship. <laughs> Praise be um, the Golden God, the Golden exactly. God three PO. <laughs> put them on a little chair. <laughs> it's just like it's so ingrained that it. I can't imagine the human race in some way not keeping Star Wars alive. Like now right. that it's here, it, it will live on forever. Oh, I, I agree one hundred percent. Well, especially as long as the House of Mouse keeps pumping money into it. They are yep. not going to let that cash cow go away. Nope. I think the uh, Disney vault is an actual, like, nuclear apocalypse-proof vault. And so there'll be, like, original, like, Star Wars reels in there and whatever. And then, <laughs> they can find it again if, you know, Fallout happens. I mean, they're, they're probably in, like, hermetically sealed, like, vacuum, yeah. like, no air, microbless. They should be uh, if they're not. Right. Um, there's an actual protocol droid that's like <laughs> over, like over them. Well, actually, uh, there's a TV show that I watch that uh, you know old books apparently used to be um, uh, preserved in mercury. Like they would huh. su- they would submerge them in mercury because it nothing li- nothing can live in mercury. So like there's no air. Like the it doesn't like dry out the page. Like nothing can damage the pages of the ink huh. or anything like. That. So they would they would preserve old books in in liquid mercury. That's interesting. It must not like stick to the material either. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have to not. I mean, you, you'd think that that would damage yeah, it. But... Dipped it in it and you pulled it out, it would have just have like mercury dried all over it. But I guess it, like, it would look cool. Yeah, it would look like the Terminator, like when he melts or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, we, we've covered a lot with Star Wars. You know, my Force Ghost brother is disappearing slowly. And, and, <laughs> this uh, is me signing out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Star Wars. Use the Force, Luke. Uh, so, Trust your feelings. Use a fork. There we go. Um, so. Star Wars is a huge part of our lives. Oh, yeah. Will continue to be a huge part of the world, and I, you know, I have no issues every May, May the Fourth, celebrating yep. such an iconic part of my life. Yeah, like, you know, it is. It will always be there, and I am. I am who I am today, thanks in part to to Star Wars as one oh, of the influences. Same. Influence in my life. same. 
So um, I, I think with that, folks, we're probably going to go ahead and, and sign off for tonight on a, you know, just us providing this love letter to to Star Wars, Lucasfilm, George Lucas, uh, Disney. Um, please keep making yes. such awesome things and yes. feeding birds. Like we, we're hungry for more. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, catch us on YouTube, uh, where you can see uh, Kenan and I flitting in and out of existence throughout the entirety <laughs> yeah. of this. I promise I will eventually one day get a decent green screen. Um, uh, you know. Again, catch us on uh, your favorite podcast platforms hosted through Anchor.fm, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and uh, Spotify and several different others. Uh, catch us on Twitter at NonSequiturNerd and Facebook. And you can also find our crappy website at www.NonSequiturNerds.com. Uh, so with that, um, thank you again, Keenan, for joining us. It's yep, been fantastic. Fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so we will uh, sign out for now. Uh, so, um, with non-sequitur nerds, I'm Ian. And I'm Tim. And may the force be with you. And may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Good night, everybody.